0: This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or For His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now, here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to Church Online. I'm Reverend Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I'm so glad that you're choosing to join us today and i am anxious to share with you god's word as we are wrapping up this series amazing but true stories i hope that you like me have been learning uh, some things that maybe we didn't know about diving a little deeper into god's word and i know that as i grew up to these bible stories that i was taught in sunday school And how they came to life for me, there was limited information. It was just the basics. It was just talking about the people and the events but not how we could apply their lives and what they went through to our own journeys. And so I've been grateful that we've been able to dive a little deeper and unpack that over the course of this month. If you've been following along you'll know that we've been looking at stories like Elijah. And last week, we looked at Jonah and the whale. And this week, we're going to wrap up with Noah and the flood. So I have a lot to share with you. But before we get started, let's open with prayer. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity that we can come together as a body of believers from all over the world and worship you. And Lord, I just pray now. Holy Spirit, that you will fall in this place, that you will open up our hearts and our ears for what it is that you have for each one of us today. I pray for a fresh anointing that I will speak your truth with love and that when we are done, Lord, we will be more like you, that we will have a better understanding of your heart and what it means to be obedient and faithful, especially as we are navigating this world today. And I lift up to you all those that are struggling, all those that are facing challenges, all those that are filled with fear. And I pray, Lord, that you will lean down, that you will whisper how much you love them, and that they will feel your presence in a real and tangible way. We love you and praise you and thank you for everything that you are going to do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we talk about the ark today and this amazing but true story, looking at Noah and his life and how he was commissioned to build the ark, my husband and I actually had an opportunity to go visit this huge structure in Williamstown, Kentucky, where they built a replica of the ark. And as you're driving up, you can just see how massive it is. And it was really a gift to be able to walk around inside and see how God had Noah design it with the living quarters, where all the animals would be. How he moved um, on the different floors, transferring food and water, how they would have cleaned um, up after the animals, how, how they were fed. It was really amazing. But a lot of people have said, okay, is this really true though? I'm, I get it's amazing, but is it true? Well, when you think about a worldwide flood, there should be worldwide evidence. Am I right? When the Bible refers to this worldwide flood in Genesis 7 and 8, that's exactly what it means. It wasn't just for that region. This was a flood that covered the entire world. Not local, not metaphorical, not some crazy dream but waters that covered the entire earth. And so, I want to take a look at some evidence that will show us this, some hard evidence. If you're kind of, well, I'm really not sure, I don't I don't think it was the whole world. Let me tell you some evidence that will help convince you as we look at the story today. Three different pieces of evidence. First, fossils of sea creatures high above sea level due to the ocean waters having flooded over the continents. Scientists have found fossils of sea creatures and rock layers that cover all over. For example, most of the rock layers in the walls of the Grand Canyon, which is more than a mile above sea level, contain marine fossils. Fossilized shellfish are even found in the Himalayas. Evidence number two. Rapid burial of plants and animals. When you think about water coming in, it was just covered automatically, right? Rapid burial of plants and animals. Scientists have found extensive fossil graveyards, which are exquisitely preserved fossils. Billions of these Nautilode fossils are found in a layer within the red wall limestone of the Grand Canyon. This layer was deposited catastrophically by a massive flow of sediment, mostly lime sand. The chalk and coral beds of Europe and the United States and the fish, insects and other fossils all around the world testify of this catastrophic destruction and burial. And then evidence number three, Rapidly deposited sediment layers spread across vast areas. For example, the Tapeat sandstone and red wall limestone of Grand Canyon can be traced across the entire United States and up into Canada and even across the Atlantic Ocean to England and the chalk beds of England, the White Cliffs of Dover can be traced across Europe and the Middle East And also found in the Midwest of the United States and in Western Australia. So when you think about this massive flood, how it would carry things all over the world, scientists have found evidence of that. So that should make you believe right then and there that this is amazing but true. So before we start reading today... Let's understand the context of the story, which is we talk about this each and every week. You can't just start in a certain chapter or verse. You have to understand the context of what it was being written. So we need to, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Genesis and starting in chapter six. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. Let's stop right there. Nephilim, Nephi means to fall in Hebrew. So it's as if they were describing these fallen angels, right? That had left, that were marrying humans. And then we were seeing some of the supernatural things happening. This sounds really harsh coming from God. But I can only imagine looking down into the world with all of the beautiful creation that he had made and the people that he had created in his likeness and seeing the evil of that time and how that would have broken God's heart and how I'm sure he thought, I, I wished that I hadn't done this. But in verse 8, it goes on to say, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So I want to read um, just a few verses about Noah and the flood so you have a better understanding of, of what's happening. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The arc is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a deck in the side of the arc and make lower, middle and upper decks. I am going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you and be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. And verse 22 says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. That was a lot of stuff, right? That was a whole lot of information that Noah had to process, that Noah had to go through. And as I think about that, how long would that have taken, right? I mean, have you, did you ever wonder, did you ever think, well, I wonder how long it took Noah to build the ark? So let me tell you, as I'm driving up this huge drive and see the ark and its massive structure, That was one of my thoughts. How in the world did one man and his family build this ark? And how long did it take him? And when I started to think about the sheer size of that, and that it was only Noah, his wife, and his sons who built it, I did a little research and I looked into, well, how big and and what does that look like in our terms? And, And how long would it have taken him? So Noah was almost 500 years old when he became the father of Shem and God told him to build the boat. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. So if we look at the timeline of events in Genesis 6, it took Noah roughly 55 to 75 years to complete the ark. And as as I mentioned, this is no ordinary boat. This is a structure that can be seen for over a mile. I mean, this is a large, massive boat. And when it says in verse 15, this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. How big is that? You ask. Well, I found that a retired ordained minister named Robert Pollack, who was a religious teacher for four decades, describes it this way. At approximately 510 feet long, the ark was twice as long as an early Boeing 747 100B airliner. It would take nearly one and a half football fields to equal the ark's length. You could take 62 smart cars parked bumper to bumper, which would stretch from the Ark's bow to the stern. NASA could lay three space shuttles nose to tail upon the Ark's deck. To float the Ark in an Olympic size swimming pool, you'd need to line up three of those to float the Ark. The Ark would be well over one and a half times the length of a World War II Gatto class submarine, or looked at another way, nearly half the length of a modern nimitz class aircraft carrier. I'm trying to give you lots of visuals depending on what you can relate to. Noah's ark was a bit longer than 12 40-foot telephone poles laid end-to-end. Or, using the standard boxcar for a railroad, it would require lining up 10 of them to equal the ark's length. And the Lord commanded him, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth in 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe away from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. And then we read in verse 11 and 12, In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were opened and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And then we read that the Lord shut him in. In his instructions for building the ark, God told Noah to set the door of the ark in its side. The ark had only one door to pass through to escape God's terrible judgment. And by faith, Noah and his family entered the ark. Once they were inside, the Lord shut them in after he's done all the things that the Lord has asked, got all the animals, got all the food, built the ark, waited for all the animals to come from wherever they were in the world, two by two. I mean, I just can't even imagine what that would have looked like to Noah as he watched these animals coming to him, lined up to enter the ark. What that would have looked for the people around watching this unfold. And then once they were inside, all of them, the Lord shut them in. This imagery of God shutting the door on the ark provides a wonderful demonstration of a couple of truths of man's responsibility and God's sovereignty that we see Through scripture, Noah was obedient. God was faithful. After God shut the door, the time of judgment arrived. Only those who had gone through the doorway would be saved. No one else could enter. This was a massive door. This wasn't something that you could just, you know, take down. God shut them in from the outside and closed the door. Noah and his family had to obey God's commands to build and then enter the ark for salvation. But it was God who had commanded the ark to be built as the means of Noah's family being saved in this time of judgment. And if we were to look at the ark, we can see this imagery of Jesus Christ, who is the ark of salvation. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And this is exactly what we see in Noah's time. And Noah and his family and the animals entered and God shut them in. And judgment began. And it wasn't like the people that were living in that area didn't have anywhere between 55 and 75 years to change their ways. There was a time, there was a season that they could have made that choice, and yet they didn't. I also think about Noah's obedience and 55 to 75 years of being obedient, doing the same task against all of the ridicule of all the people in that area that probably came and laughed and jeered and said, why on earth are you building a boat? If it were me, I probably would have loved to check the forecast. I probably would have sat down and watched the news and went, okay. Is there any rain coming? What's the forecast going to be? Wouldn't it have been nice to see maybe a 10-day forecast that rain was coming? But that doesn't seem to be the way that God works. He gives us a command, and he's asking us to be obedient despite what our current view of the situation is. He's asking us for us to step out in faith, and to trust him and even when we can't see what's coming and how it's all going to lay out we're still asked to take that step forward we're still asked to take the next step and what I love about Noah is that he has to do that right he has to keep taking one step at a time doing the task that the Lord is giving him Every single thing that God asks, He does. He builds the ark. He plans for their future voyage. He waits for the animals. The animals come, He loads the animals. And then He waits for God. And He does each thing as the Lord asks. This is a bigger picture of the process of us today. And I've I've stood here many times and said that this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. This is a race that we run every single day. This is a one step at a time, one day at a time, grabbing for God's hand, listening and being obedient and more importantly, faithful. Faithful in the days where there's nothing to do but wait, but we keep stepping forward. Faithful for the days when the Lord comes to us and says, I want you to build an ark that we're faithful and we do it. We can be so overwhelmed at times when we look at the big picture and how everything is going to come together. When we look at the ark and the animals and feeding them and taking care of them and the flood, but all we need to do is be obedient with the next step. We need to focus on the next thing. What do you have for me today? How can I be obedient today? What is the next thing you have for me today? And when I think about that process that he, how many years it took him to build this massive structure, 55 to 75 years, his faithfulness and his obedience is what completed everything. Sometimes I struggle with a five day project. And yet here is Noah doing a project that takes 55 to 75 years. What does that say about our faith? What does that say about our obedience? What does that say about the race that we're running right now? Are we going to sit down? Are we going to fall out? Are we going to say, you know what, this is just getting too hard. I think I'm going to stop running. No. No. The Lord wants us to keep moving forward one step at a time, one day at a time, being faithful and being obedient. I would encourage you to keep reading this story. I'm sure maybe you already know about it, but if you don't, it talks about how the waters covered the entire earth. And now everywhere that Noah looked, there was water and everything that he had to do and the journey and the 40 days and the 40 nights. But let's talk about the aftermath of the flood for a second. Let's talk about the people that were left behind. All the men, women, and children that were in the world at that time, except those in the ark, they died. We may easily imagine what terror sees them. And I can't imagine how those people reacted, right? Or oh, maybe we can for a moment. It's been dry. It hasn't rained. I've been living in the city, watching Noah build this boat. Keeping an eye on the progress and what he's doing. I saw all the animals come. I saw that he was coming into town to get some supplies. And then one day, as I was walking through town, it started to rain. And I ran over to where Noah had been building the boat And no one was around. The door was shut. The rain started to come harder and harder. And I was knocking on the outside. Hey, Noah, it's me. Uh, Changed my mind. Can I come? And there was nothing. All I could hear were the sounds of the animals inside and, and things moving. And as I stood there knocking on the door, the rain fell and before long I'm standing in a puddle and then it's up to my ankles and then it's up to my knees and I've realized that I've waited too long. We may easily imagine the terror that seized them and the missed opportunity that they had. Our Savior tells us that till the very day that the flood came they were eating and drinking they were living their life they were partying they were doing whatever they wanted to do they were deaf and blind to all of the divine warnings and they were surprised when that rain started to fall when the door was closed they were convinced that it was too late as the water continued to to rise. And we may suppose they tried all ways and means to save themselves. Maybe they got to higher ground, they climbed into trees, they did whatever they could to escape the rising water, but all of their efforts were in vain. And those that are not found in Christ, the ark, are certainly undone, undone forever. And let us pause and consider this tremendous judgment that fell on the earth. It is the same for us today. The sin of sinners will be their ruin, if not repented. The righteous God knows how to bring ruin upon the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And we can look to this story and see that it was God that he was grieved over the sin that he could look down and see into the world, the way that people were treating each other, the evil, the pure evil, not only in their actions, but in their hearts. Happy are they who are part of Christ's family, safe, and we can look forward, rejoicing in the fact that we will be taken up into heaven and live there for an eternity with Jesus. But what about those that are left behind? What about those like Noah and the flood of this day, standing in the puddles, knocking on the door, wanting to come in? God promised after this happened that he would never destroy the earth again by water. What's actually talked about in Revelations is that the earth will burn up by fire. And we may think, oh, that's not for me. I'm a good person. I am a good person. I'm caring. I care about this world. I care about other people. I'm a good person. But my friends, good is not what's going to get you into heaven. Jesus and our salvation in him. And if we neglect, refuse or abuse the salvation of Christ, we will be like those in Noah's time. We will be left standing outside the door knocking to come in. No one's going to open. And we'll stand there just like they did with the water rising and knowing there is no way out and that we have missed our opportunity. Luke 17, 26 and 27 says this, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. It's the same for us today. We can look at the story and it is so much more than a man building a boat. It is the faithfulness of that man who was obedient to God and who, as the Lord said, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. A a few questions for us today as we're looking at the story. If God were to look down at the world today, would we stand out as faithful? Would he say that I found favor in the eyes of the Lord? Or would we blend in with all the evil that is happening? The Bible tells us that we have been set apart. Set apart so that people will know that we are followers of Jesus and they will know that by our love for one another. When I think about the evil that's in the world today, there's no care for that other person It's all about feeding the flesh and people are disposable. Children are disposable. Things can be thrown away. People can be thrown away. It's all about what I need right now in this moment. Are we standing apart for when God looks down into the world? Are we faithful or do we blend in with all the evil that is happening? Also, if God were to ask us to build an ark, would we do it? I know what it's like to step out and be obedient and do something that nobody else thought I should do. When I was on the top of the Moktesh Ramon in the Negev Desert, in Israel back in 2017, the Lord spoke to me and said, it's time to tell your story and tell it to the world. And I had no idea what that meant or what that would look like, except that I was going to come home and I was going to start doing something new. And between 2017 and 2019 it took three years to kind of understand what that was going to look like but it meant that I was going to leave my full-time job a job that I loved a a job that paid me a job that had security and vacation and 401k and I was going to leave that and step into full-time ministry I was going to build an ark. And everyone looked at me and said, You are crazy. Even my husband questioned me several times. Are you sure? Are you sure that's what God said? He didn't say something else. And I would have loved to be able to look at the forecast and say, Well, it's it's gonna rain. It's okay, I can, I can build this boat. But that's not how God asks us to do things. I had to keep stepping out in faith and doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it isn't until six years later that I can see the picture of what the boat looks like now. But it's still being built. This ministry is still being built. God is still revealing to me things that he wants us to do. But I can see a clearer picture than the day that I left my job. Are we doing the things that the Lord is asking us to do? Are we ready to build a boat even if we can't see that it's going to rain? Even if we can't see the forecast that it's going to rain? And are we ready for the return of Jesus? We can say that we are. We can say, come, Lord Jesus, come. But what is the shape of our hearts? What are we living right now in this world One day at a time, what does it look like from God's perspective as he looks down into the world? Are we standing firm? Are we steadfast to our race? Are we trying to do the next thing that the Lord asks us to do? That's the thing. See, it may appear that we are, but what is the shape of our hearts? That's what God sees. And I'm so grateful now today, right, that we have Jesus, that we have Jesus. And this opportunity for us to return to the Lord is there through Jesus Christ and through his sacrifice on the cross. So that even though God looks down and sees the evil and the destruction and what we're doing to each other, God made a way for us to return to him through Jesus. And now when he looks at me and my sin and the things that I still do wrong, Jesus stands between us. And he sees me as his child, saved by grace because of what his son did. That's the difference today, right? We have Jesus. We have an opportunity to go to him and repent and return and have that relationship with God. What amazes me most about this amazing but true story is not only the size of the endeavor that God told Noah to do, but that God walked with Noah every step of the way, helped him do every single thing. And at the end, he shut him in. God never leaves us. And when he gives us a task, big or small, he is with us every step of the way, helping us, encouraging us, strengthening us. And he's still doing that today. And if I look at all of the things that we've been talking about lately, right? There's this thread of truth that goes through every single one of the stories that we talked about over the course of the month. Every single story gives us hope, shows the heart of the father, shows how he is wanting people to return to him. And in each person that we talked about, it shows the compassion of God the Father despite our human nature, despite when we question God and when we get discouraged and when we feel like we just want this to be over. And in each person we talked about and read about, Lord, there's this there's this theme that they experienced, right, in their humanness. And yet God is faithful and he asks us to be obedient and he wants us to cooperate with him, to use us to be his hands and feet as we work and move among the world, around the world. But he doesn't leave us to ourselves. He helps us. He strengthens us. He encourages us. He just wants us to be obedient. And the only reason, right, that the ministry has grown to where it has grown today is not from my works. It's because I've been obedient and I've taken the next step and the next step irregardless of what it may look like God has done the rest God has grown it God has brought divine appointments and relationships and people God has grown the numbers all I've done is continue to get up every single day and build the boat and that's what he's asking us to do to step out in obedience to be faithful and he will do the rest. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I'm so grateful for how much you love us. I'm so grateful that we have stories like this that we can learn from, that we can dive deeper, that we can unpack, that we can see the truth so that we can see who you are and what you call us to do each day. And Lord, I'm so thankful for Jesus, that when you look at us, that you see him, that you see the sacrifice that he paid for all of our sins and our mistakes and our brokenness. And I'm so grateful that because of him, we can have clothing that is white as snow, that we can be precious in your eyes. But we need to believe, Lord. We need to believe in Jesus and what he did. We need to receive his forgiveness. And we need to follow in his footsteps. I pray for each person today that doesn't know Jesus, that they will return to him today, that they will claim him as their savior, maybe for the first time. And it's as simple as this, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I am broken, I am nothing. I've made so many mistakes and I've sinned against you and I can't keep doing this anymore in my own strength. So Jesus, I invite you into my heart to live and rule and reign, to be my savior. I'm asking you to change my life. I'm asking you to change my trajectory. I'm asking you to change who I am so that I can be more like you and that I can follow you all of my days. I'm ready to do that today, Lord. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you died on a cross so that I could have forgiveness of sins. I believe that you are who you say you are. I invite you to live in my heart from this day forward, and I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do, big or small, knowing that you will walk with me. If you said that prayer, that's that's as easy as it is, is just receiving the gift of salvation that each of us are offered and following the Lord from this day forward, one step at a time, one day at a time, holding his hand. He gave us his word as our truth, as our foundation that we can stand on. And we, as the ministry, have created ways to do that together each and every day. It's a gift that we receive, let us not go another day without receiving that gift. For none of us know when Jesus will return. I pray that no one will be left behind. We love you and praise you and thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and for joining us. If you ever have a chance to visit Williamstown, Kentucky, you will see the massive ark that Noah built, the replica of it, and it's it's really quite a feat to see. Um, as we move into November, we're going to switch our focus and we're going to be looking at ways that we can be grateful and thankful even in challenging times. Let us keep our Um, focus on Jesus and what he is doing in and through us each step of the way. And so we're going to be looking at that next month. I hope that you will join me. But thanks for being here today. And I pray that you will move forward into this uh, next week with blessings and faith and grace. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday Teachings Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.